Thanks to Slack for supporting Market Foolery. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. It's Wednesday, December 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Ron Gross. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Hey, Matt. Good day, Good. In the market. how are you? Good, good day. day in the market. Yeah. Love good days in the market. We haven't had a lot of good days lately. Although it's so volatile, I mean, like who knows? Like, yeah, by the end by of the time day, of the day it could yep. just that's true. Turn around. That's true. We yeah. should timestamp this at the time of our <laughs> taping. The market day. is up, so it's a good day. Well, later on, we're going to talk about Dave and Buster's. A not so good day for Dave and Buster's. We'll get into that. But let's kick off with a Wall Street Journal report that China is working to increase access to overseas companies. Now, guys, this is part of what appears to be fueling the market. This plan would replace the country's Made in China 2025 plan. Andy, we don't have a lot of specifics here yeah. yet, but the market seems to be encouraged. Well, there's a couple. I mean, we, we had a good inflation report here in the U.S. that's helping the stocks as well, I think, today. But this made uh, this report coming from the journal that China is rethinking some of the um, principles behind their Made in China 2025, which is the plan they set out to really be a world leader in, in high-tech industrial manufacturing. So, really, since China joined the WTO years ago, they've been producing mostly kind of cheap goods um, that are maybe designed elsewhere, and they use their, their power to be able to produce these goods at very cheap, um, co- at very cheap costs. Their plan now that they put forth back in 2015 is to really push more into the high-tech sector. And that really set uh, the world a little bit on watch because of what that might mean for the competitive landscape and also from the security side, too, which the Trump administration has pointed out. So, this has been a big focus of the Trump administration. The fact that now China may be rethinking this has investors or traders thinking, wow, this is going to be good news for U.S. stocks. I quite frankly don't know what to believe until it's, until it's done. There's so many rumors, so much bluster coming from both sides, quite frankly. Um, each side playing the other one um, for headlines and for yeah. short-term gains, it appears. Um, I'm in a wait-and-see mode. Trump came out and said he would even intervene in the Justice Department case against the Huawei executive. I, I don't know if that's real or not. I, you know, fake news all over yeah. the place. Um, so I'm I'm in a holding pattern, as we said at the top of the show. I mean, the market's up on this news could easily be down by the end of the day if there's a news report that you know this isn't actually going to happen yeah. or it's not as actually as robust as originally reported. Um, I think you know in the end. I couldn't even predict how this is going to shake out, but it's not going to shake out with somebody being the big winner and the big loser. It's going to be some compromise that looks similar to how things were six months ago. Yeah, I mean, there is so much noise out in the market right now. I mean, it's just in the volatility and the trading volumes. We're seeing the Dow Industrial Average jump 500 points in a day both ways almost now, and just people are just gravitating to any news piece. I mean, there's talks also that the trade, in the trade talks, that the tariffs on autos um, won't be nearly as high as they used to be. And then I mentioned the inflation report. Inflation was a little bit tamer. Maybe people thinking, oh gosh, now the Fed may not raise rates as aggressively, or maybe even in December. I disagree with that. I think they will go in December. So, there's just so much noise out there, Mac, that long-term investors are fighting this. And you kind of have to just, to Ron's point, sit back and watch what happens and and act on um, long-term 
investing principles, not short-term trading ones. Well, speaking of China, Ron, a good day for Tencent Music to IPO. They IPO today, the stock up. What do you think? Yeah, interesting time for it to go public. It it was supposed to go public back in October, but they postponed because of the sell-off in, in markets, um, because of the U.S.-China trade war. Yeah. So interesting to go public. Not that they could have predicted today uh, that today would have been a, a good news day with respect to the to the trade wars. Um, but um, you know they were going to certainly pull the trigger at some point. So today is as good as any. You know they're they're a, a large company. This is a large IPO. Uh, so far, trading is going well. Stocks up 10, 11 percent uh, in the first couple hours of trading. Tencent Music owns the four largest music apps in China. It's owned 58 percent by Tencent, the parent company. Spotify owns nine percent of the shares. Um, they they. Um, Priced the IPO at $13, which was at the lower end of the range, but that sometimes can create some demand in the marketplace and, and the stock pops into the 14s as we're seeing today. So, so far, so good. Obviously, early stage. Company has 300, uh, 800 million unique uh, monthly active users. Um, so, it's, it's, it's a sizable company, and, and we'll see how it goes. It is profitable, which is nice to see. I mean, good for them for coming out in this market. I mean, that's a surprise. And I think maybe, you know, a year and a half ago, the stock would have been up like 20% on that kind of news right. with the market moving like that. So, um, you know, sticking to the guns and coming out. Uh, finally, after a few delays, um, you know, it took courage to go out in the market like this to go public. In general, in in terms of IPOs, um, Tencent Music aside, do you have a rule that you live by? Like, do you not buy an IPO in the first month, in the first three months, in the first six months, or does it just depend? Yeah, I mean, for 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 me to, I mean, I don't think I've ever acted on anything inside twelve months. Um, I think you have to because there's lockup periods for executives. You have to look at because that could put some pressure on selling. Some selling pressure on the stock price. So I think just in general, there's a lot we saw with Facebook. You know, it came out at 38, ran to north of 50, dropped back down to 22 within you know 18 months or so. So I think just let some of the noise and short-term trading activity and corporate actions kind of play out. Yeah, I know some people that kind of play games with it. If you're lucky enough to get allocated some actual IPO shares, you can kind of flip them and, and make a quick buck very often. Not a game I play. I'm, again, uh, I'm as foolish as it comes, hold stock for years. I'm not interested in making a quick 10, 20, even 30%. It's just, just not what I do. Um, and in, in that same vein, I typically don't even purchase IPO shares after they go public um, for, any, for, for a reasonable amount of time until I get comfortable with the company. Well, speaking of games that you don't play, Dave and Buster's down <laughs> almost 10% at the time of our taping. Now, earnings were up 3%. That's better than expected. But same store sales falling 1.3%. What is going on with Dave and Buster's? You, you frame it up nicely. Better than expected results. Actually, decent guidance going forward. But the Investors, the street as we as we call it, seems to be focused exclusively on comp store sales. In this case, um, the company saw a 0.7 percent decrease in walk-in sales, a 6.9 percent decrease in special events sales, um, specifically in the food and beverage area of of their revenue. That's where we saw the comparable store sales come down. Uh, the amusement part of the business actually saw a slight uptick, about 1.5 percent. Um, so that's where folks seem to be. Focused, even though profits on an adjusted basis, when you when you kind of adjust the calendar for the same amount of periods, in the you know same amount of weeks in one period and another, were fine. Um, 
you can't run a business um, if you consistently have comparable store sales that are weak. Now, in this case, that isn't the case. This right sequentially, they were fine year over year. They were weak. Um, so this is a trend. This is not yet. Uh, but you know, it certainly created some caution on the parts of investors who chose to sell off the stock. Well, the trend's in improving on the comp store sales. So um, a couple quarters ago, they were down almost five percent, and they were down two point four percent last quarter. So the trend is improving. But really, what caught my eye is the cost structure. So their costs have increased. Mac, you mentioned three percent growth on the earnings side. Um, the the costs and some some of the um, employee wages. They talked about their their wage growth, their wage costs increasing five percent. That's hit operating margins. It hit, it's hit gross profit margins. Um, so I think from the cost side. Uh, there's, they're facing some pressure that we're starting to see from more and more retailers. And I think investors are saying, wow, okay, the growth prospects, even though they guided for a kind of nice growth number, it's still lower than what their store count growth is going to be guided for for the year of next year. So um, it looks like maybe their revenue is not quite growing as fast as expected, and some of the costs are increasing. That's going to hit the profit, the, some of the EPS, some of the earnings per share growth prospects for next year, too. So Clearly, even though the trend of comp store growth is improving, they're still facing some headwind just on the cost side as they continue to invest in all these really cool new games they have at their uh, retail outlets. Have you gone to Dave Investors lately? Uh, not lately, but back in the day when my kids were young, uh, quite a bit to to play to play the games. Not so much for the food, um, just an easy place on a rainy day to to go spend some money for no reason. Yeah, the, it seems like it should be just a money-making machine. Like I've gone there for a few kids' birthday parties, and you spend so much money so fast. Well, it is. I mean, they, I mean, their profit margins are north of twelve percent, twelve, thirteen, fourteen percent. I mean, it's a very profitable, nicely profitable business. But expensive on to high. Expen- well, and getting a little bit more expensive, and now their store, as they kind of grow, they're going to add. They're trying to grow their store footprint north of ten percent per year, and next year they think it'll be probably about around fourteen percent. But sales growth on a comp basis of only eleven to twelve percent. So the investors start seeing, wow, they're growing their store footprint faster than they're growing their top line sales growth, and that starts to maybe raise some red flags. But I also I like what they're doing. They're buying back stock. Um, they just put a dividend in place for the first time, um, which is nice to see. Shareholder shareholder friendly action, um, signaling also that they perhaps don't need all of the cash that they generate. Um, because they have excess cash to buy stock and, and pay a dividend to shareholders. Um, but Andy makes a great point. The way retailers make money, whether it's a restaurant or, or a traditional retailer, is either by increasing comp store sales or by opening new more, more stores, hopefully both. Um, but if the only reason they are growing revenue is because they are opening new stores, that's a big, big red flag to keep an eye on. Yeah, and they have north of 110 U.S. locations, and they think that the capacity could be 200 yeah. in North America. But those are primarily mall-based. So, how how does that work? Yeah, their last store they're opening this year, Mac, Corpus Christi, Texas. So, if you live in Corpus there Christi, folks, get ready for your Dave & Buster store opening um, soon. You know, I think there's the, one interesting thing they're doing is they're they're of the new stores they're going to open, around 20% will be at the 17,000 square foot store. That's far lower than their average size of north of 40 
thousand square feet. So they're shrinking the store footprint. But hopefully, if they can continue to innovate and get the games in there, and they have some specific proprietary ones like uh, Contest of Champions, which uh, is a Marvel game, is proprietary just for Dave and Buster. So they're pushing more and more into these kind of really um, video and immersion games, and they're I, I imagine they they're more costly to implement, but the revenue from that perspective on a square footage perspective is much higher than other stores so uh, other games so as they shrink the store footprint that could increase the profitability per store and they're also doing some interesting things with the space in the earnings call um, this is a quote they said we have converted one of our special event party rooms adjacent to the arcade into a highly visible area where guests can order street tacos and drink I like street tacos. But here's the thing. I like drink, too. Can you call them street tacos if you're not on the street? Those are those are actually mall tacos. They're mall tacos. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Let's go for mall tacos, honey. <laughs> it's all about the branding, Mac. Yeah, I just don't think... You see that in airports now where yeah. people have street tacos? I saw that in Austin recently. Yeah, I know. They're not street tacos I know. Is it like if you, they're not on the street. It's like if you buy a Chicago dog in some ballpark outside of Chicago. Is it not a Chicago dog, hot are you, dog? Are you in Chicago? I need more information. No, I'm not in Chicago. I'm no, in, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Houston, and no, I'm buying a hot no, dog. No, it's a, Chicago it's a wannabe. Hot dog. It's a Chicago uh, wannabe it's, dog. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I don't. I, well, I think I think their their um, focus on um, to your point of trying to take the stores and make them more profitable and um, innovative around the different parts of where customers want to go and spend time. I think that's a really interesting as they continue to figure out. Gosh. You know, if the store traffic hasn't, the foot traffic hasn't been what it wants, what it used to be. We got to make some changes, and we got to get into those stores and make them better. And do you like the stock? Um, I don't think I, you know, I, I don't like the growth prospects really right now. Um, and I think that space, you know, the fact that they are facing the challenging, the double kind of whammy of mm, okay growth, but the cost structure is getting a little bit higher. Um, I think I would, I would stay away from it right now. 13 times earnings, you're not paying for much growth, but it's not my cup of tea. This, uh, it just doesn't excite me. I would, I would pass. Well, guys, before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to Slack for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. With Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop, and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, letting you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. With Slack, your team is better connected. You can find out more at slack.com. Guys, we use Slack all the time. We use it to plan this show. Absolutely. You know, I just discovered yesterday the feature where you could just talk to yourself. Have you done this yet? Oh, you, absolutely. You, yeah, and where you can take notes and just keep keep yourself organized. I, I had never didn't know about it before before recently. I love it. That is a game changer. I keep all of my notes in Slack. And just yesterday, I was going back and looking at all my notes from meetings over the course of the year. And I can do that on my phone, too, because Slack has a great mm. mobile app. We really love the does. mobile it's, app. It is, it's great, for it's sure. It's tremendous. Yeah. We use it all the time. It really improves your productivity, cuts down on email, saves time, all that good stuff. And Slack makes it easy to share files like documents, links to articles, videos, and audio. Slack also works with Google Drive and Salesforce. And you can tailor it to work with over 1,000 applications. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. Okay, guys, our final story. I think potentially some buyer's remorse 
for Verizon. Mm. Verizon bought AOL in 2015. We remember AOL, right? And they bought Yahoo's core business in 2017. And they combined the two under the brand name, wait for it, Oath. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oath. Mondelez. Ugh, woof. Well, Andy, turns out Verizon should have saved those receipts. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Verizon is now booking a $4.5 billion accounting charge Essentially acknowledging that both the online properties haven't worked out as well. Yeah, that's half of what they paid. They paid a nine billion around nine billion dollars over the for both those those properties with really bold ambitions to create a um, me, online media property that can go after mobile, that can go after video. Um, it was led by Tim Armstrong, who had great success at AOL, but back in 2015 recognized that they had to be part of a larger platform as they continued to try to grow their ambitions and, and play where customers were more find, found more relevance. Um, and that was in mobile and video. Uh, so they, they they joined with Verizon, and then Verizon went and, and bought Yahoo, and then Yahoo announced the two huge data breaches. I mean, like, so it was just this was just a package that just had really had some uphill struggles from the from the get go, and now you just recognize that the new leadership at Verizon has said we are focusing on mobile. And 5G, and that's really our focus. And it's not as much on these uh, media properties. Which, by the way, over the last couple of years, you you saw so many invest so many investment dollars from the venture side, from the private equity side, go into these exciting like online businesses. You know, Vice Media or BuzzFeed, some of those. Um, and they've just really struggled as well too, as the advertising market is continues to be dominated by Facebook and Google, and it's very difficult as. Oath learned. It's very difficult. It's to hard crack for you to say. It's that. hard for me to say. <laughs> crack yeah. into that. Yeah, I, you can't. You can't fault them for going after that the digital ad space because it is growing significantly. But as Andy said, it turns out it's been very difficult to unseat Facebook and, and Google. Google owning thirty-seven percent, and and Facebook really about twenty percent of that market. And now you have Amazon coming in as the number three player. By the way, uh oh, it's not like they're going to be easy to unseat. Um, and it was. Just just too difficult. So now they have uh, Project Purple, mm. uh, which is uh, aims to identify the strongest brands um, that they own, whether again it's HuffPost or Tumblr or Yahoo Finance, to see what the focus is going to be on um, in the future. Acknowledging that this did not work out as planned. Both is a terrible name, though. Can we agree? Just a terrible. <laughs> I don't name. like it. Yeah. yeah, Steve Case, who um, really engineered the just. The AOL growth story, and then engineered the acquisition and the merger with Time Warner back in 2000. Tweeted back um, in 2015. Congrats to my friends at AOL. Hope the merger with Verizon will ensure a brighter future for the company that first got America online. Obviously, it hasn't quite worked out as well as um, expected as part of the Verizon family. So, uh, Verizon now, um, and by the way, this was not a huge part of Verizon's business. I mean, they generate more than $100 billion in sales, and uh, this was a, a small slice of the of the business. And with the new leadership um, of uh, of Verizon on board, um, they just thought that this was not a place where they wanted to spend too many resources, or at least they wanted to refocus them into, as Ron said, Project Purple. And when you look back over the past few years, do you have a purchase or an acquisition that you you regret, or you say, you know what, if I could have that one back? Um, I bought a fountain pen. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I like it. And I liked it right out of the gate. And I used it to write in my journal. I was kind of all into journaling. journaling. Um, but I got to say. Did you just say, use journaling as journaling, a verb? Journaling. It's a journaling. thing. I know. But journaling. that's like you I'm sorry. summer somewhere. It's not a thing for oh, me, yeah, but it's a like, thing. I know, oh, you, I know you have some words. Yeah, listen, no, just that's listen. so pretentious. I know you don't like, like moist. When, when I'm summering, yeah, I'm journaling. Yeah, summering. Oh. Well, when I was summering, I was journaling. When I would write in my journal. Thank you. Mac, um, or write notes to my you know family or friends, and uh, sorry, yours is still in the mail, Mac. <laughs> um, apparently, um, uh, I, I realized that it just didn't quite live up to the expectations I had as me with a you know how much a, you pay? a glass of cognac. How much did you pay? A glass of cognac. I need an amount. Ten thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, no! It was it was like an Amazon purchase of a, okay. a pilot, and it's a fine pen. It just wasn't quite so. This it, it was like ten bucks or something. Like Ron. That. I have a problem in that I love <laughs> in that I love to purchase unneeded uh, cooking gadgets. Yes. So if it exists, I I own it, and my wife hates that. So I have the panini maker. I have the the slow cooker for ribs. I have the zoodle maker. Uh, I have everything. What's, a, what's zoodle? You, you what's can create zoodle? noodles out of like zucchini or squash. Oh. You know, so no no carbs. You know. You say, they, by the way, zoodles zoodle. don't make themselves, it's my friend. Squid. Somebody's got to make them. instead of. The zoodle elves don't bring the zoodles. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I own them all. That may be Verizon's next purchase. (laughs) So I own them all, and they stay in the cabinet and don't get used. And they just take up space and more space. And and finally, my wife gets angry, and we have to throw some out or give them away. And it's it's a problem that I just have. We have an air technology. We have a we have a air popcorn maker that I think we've used once in the last like four or five years. Yeah, that that air popcorn is a scam. Yeah, yeah a right. It just sits there. It yeah. sits. In, it sits like downstairs in my basement, <laughs> right. and I'm like, why do we have this? That's a mistake. How about you? It's Mike? right there with the pilot bent. You know, we we are talking uh, that, little, that, that shirt. Yes. The, oh, this is. <laughs> a, Whoa, I think this is nice Brooks Gosh, just, that's yeah. hurtful. That is. That is. Yeah. This is tough. More like you should have said the glasses. Or the haircut. Oh my gosh, my wife cuts my hair. Do you want to apologize? Do you want to apologize? Sorry, Miss Greer. This is just gone off the rails. You know, we were talking before the show. And I think we both our dogs are these rescue beagles. So technically, you're not paying anything except a service fee when you when you adopt them. Doing or you something don't adopt nice. them. You're doing something nice. But our first dog has been he's been rough. I mean, he's so, so woof. Yeah, it, it was it was woof. And he's you know we we love him as my wife says because he's ours. And but he's got some some awful habits and he barks at planes and we have a lot of planes flying mm-hmm. over the house because we're on the flight path to, yeah. to um, Reagan DC, National. Yeah, and we got a citation like a week after we got him from a neighbor <laughs> who would not like from the city. I don't think neighbors have power to write citations. No, no, no. They can, they can, they, they called call the up. city, and we had a notice. Basically, you got to control your dog because he just barks at everything. He's he's pretty rough. Yeah, and I don't mean that as a pun, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's not good. So the regret is you, that dog or like the, I think specifically the rescue, this dog. I still think that the rescue is it's the a, way to go. It's right. a good way to go. Same with us. It's yeah, a good way yeah, to go. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it'd be nice if you had kind of a trial period where yeah. like you got to go on like two or three dates and kind of see how he yeah. acted. Right. Um, right when we got him home it, it was it was pretty clear that <laughs> it was, was, was worse immediately. immediately. Exactly. It was a misfire. So you, you were know. calling you were calling Verizon up to Yeah. No and he and, and he has he has redeeming qualities. Do you think anyone's still listening? No. But he, he keeps he keeps them hidden, but he has some redeeming qualities, too. Okay, so Desert Island Poll, as we wrap up, we've talked about a few stocks. If you're on a desert island for the next five years, and you should never, ever invest this way, are you going with Tencent Music? Are you going Dave & Buster's? Are you going Verizon? 
Um, I... Oh gosh. Well, I, you know, I think if I'm I, Verizon has a has a four percent dividend yield. It's, it's solid. They're, I mean, like the, the oath acquisition um, side with um, Hans Vesberg, Vesberg, who's the new CEO there. I, I mean, I I think if you're a dividend seeker, I think Verizon's a way to go. It's a I think it's a recommendation of the Motley Fool. So it's a total income recommendation, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Four percent is a nice dividend. Hopefully, the stock will appreciate because uh, it's all about total appreciation. You can't just focus on that dividend, but uh, it's certainly a, a solid company. Um, obviously, they just took a lot of uh, costs out um, by offering a, a retirement plan yeah. um, for thousands of employees, um, which is bad for the employees, but cuts costs for the company. So, if if I had to, to choose between the three, Verizon's is the way to go. Ron and Andy, thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have a bad, regrettable purchase that you would like to share with us, marketfoolery at fool.com. Thanks, as always, for listening. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Ingdahl. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. season and Santa Claus is coming down. The Christmas snow is white on the ground. When old Santa gets into town, he'll be coming down the chimney down. It's the holiday season and Santa Claus has got a toy for every good girl and good little boy. Santa's a great big bundle of joy when he's coming down the chimney down. Season.